in and welcome to the Hearts of Fire podcast. On today's episode of the Hearts of Fire podcast, we are joined by Sister Mary Doris, who will be discussing her ministry at Sienna House. Before we get to our discussion, I'd like to remind you that whether you're watching this episode live or listening to it on a podcast, make sure to never miss an episode by clicking the subscribe button now. We appreciate your support of the Hearts of Fire podcast. Now on to today's discussion with our guest, Sister Mary Doris, the director of Sienna House. Welcome, Sister Mary. Thank you for joining us today. Well, we were off to a rough start, but we finally <laughs> <laughs> I Yes. Already, but... Thank you. Uh, thank you for the invitation to share something about Sienna House. Um, not sure who's watching, but and I'm not sure how familiar they are with Sienna House, but hopefully this will give a little better understanding. Yes, and and for those of you who are listening right now, you know, we streamed our this podcast both on audio and video. So sometimes right before we're about to go live, we experience technical difficulties. And many thanks to Andrea, who is a Dominican volunteer um, at Sienna House for helping save the day and get Sister Mary on screen and ready to talk about Sienna House. So Sister Mary, you are a very busy woman. Um, so let's dive right into it. So I can imagine no two days are ever the same at your ministry, but tell our listeners about Sienna House, what it is, and as typical of a day you could have there. Okay, I, I will try my best. Uh, <laughs> as I told uh, Katie, no day is, there is no such thing as a typical day, although there are a few very typical things that happen during the day. Uh, the first the first thing that happens is in the morning is Sister Loria Fitzgerald, who's one of our sisters here uh, at Siena, uh, has been here with me for the past 32 years. And uh, every morning we pray together, our morning prayers. So that's the big, that's a typical uh, day um, that, that I can say something that is typical, as well as um, early mass, and then followed by a meeting with the staff beginning of the day, just not the total staff, but the key staff, just to review uh, what's happening for the day. Uh, once we get finished with that, which this morning was a little interrupted because the Department of Health showed up at 8.30 um, to, to do a full investigation or inspection of the kitchen. So that was the first part of the non-typical day, except the uh, one of the biggest things is to expect the unexpected. And so Pretty much that's how we operate here. We never know what the day will be will hold. Um, I just want to begin by, for those that might not know what Sienna House is, I'm just going to take a, a minute to just read something. Sienna House is a tier two family shelter providing transitional housing for 27 women who are either pregnant or have uh, presently have a child under the age of one. We do have one or two that have already hit the, the one-year-old milestone. It's a non-for-profit, non-denominational organization, and we receive referrals from the five boroughs of New York City. Uh, we, are, um, we were founded in 1989. We opened in 19, January of 1990 under the sponsorship of Tallentine Zeiser Community Life Center, the primary goal of our shelter is to support our new mothers. 
uh, as they work to achieve self-sufficiency, permanent housing, and a safe place to raise their family. In addition to safe housing and meals, Siena House provides case management, housing specialist support, childcare, life skills, workshops, support groups for new mothers, motivational goal setting, resume writing, etc. We link with community uh, agencies to try to provide services, um, uh, specialized services for our women. But all of that being said, the primary um, goal we have here is to make the moms, first of all, feel welcome as they walk in the door uh, with their newborn or pregnant and being very concerned about the future. Uh, Our staff is over the top in terms of responding to the needs of the women and children here. Uh, I feel very blessed um, by the fact that we have such a, um, a wonderful, giving, committed staff. Many of our staff have been here over 20, over 20 years. I think I just had a uh, an, oh, the keyboard. <laughs> the keyboard. All good. The computer's still on, and you're, we're still recording, and we're still live. That's one of the beauties of being live. Any, anything can happen. And as you say with your ministry, expect the unexpected. Correct, correct, correct. But anyway, I, I hope that gives a little bit of a, a window into who we are. Uh, for those who might not know, we always, um, our original foundation, our original start was that we would accept children up to the age of three. But because of the pandemic, which we'll get to later in the question, we, we limited it to newborns and to mm-hmm. moms who were pregnant just because we didn't want the little toddlers who had a tendency to run around from office to office or from room to room, dribbling over everything that they came in touch with. So we decided that during this period, this crisis time, we would um, just keep the the infants. So they're pretty they pretty well stay put. But uh, at this time, we are um, we're grateful that we can continue. And even though we're a congregate setting, uh, that we are safe. That's that's the primary uh, goal here. That that makes sense. And you know, before you mentioned Sister Gloria Fitzgerald, another Blavel Dominican sister, um, are there any other sisters who minister at Siena House from the yes. Blavel Dominicans? And you know, have That's, their can yes. you tell us who if you want to give them a shout out? Sister Maureen Gibbons is our business manager. She's here. Uh Sister Gloria and and myself are the only three Blavel Dominicans here now, but um, I started to make a list, which I left downstairs in my office, but um, Sister Margaret McDermott, of course, is our executive director. So she, I'm on the phone with her every day, even though she's not physically in the building. Um, Sister Kathy Howard, um, rest in peace. She started Sienna with me. She was the original, um, my original assistant here, and she was here for three years. Uh, Sister Gil Mary Walsh was here. I'm not going to leave people out, and I don't really want to do this. But Sister Cecilia Burns just retired last year. Sister Rose Ellen was here uh, with high school equivalency. Sister Pat Yinti, Sister Joan McKinney, and Sister um, Ann Connolly volunteering their services. And all of our sisters in Bloorbelt who have constantly supported Sienna House with their prayers, with their donations, and just wishing us well. So we are grateful that that there are so many who have been a part of of this place. 
Absolutely. You know, anybody who knows the congregation knows that they've had a long, rich history with Sienna House. And, you know, moving forward, what led you to end up at Sienna House? I know you've been here for over three decades ministering here. And did you uh, where did you previously minister before coming to Sienna House? Well, I I actually was an an elementary for a very short while, but high school math teacher. Uh, I taught in the college. Uh, I did some vocation work for a few years, and I was led to um, to come to a, an area where there was struggle. Uh, I was invited to come here by Sister Ann Lovett, um, who uh, and Sister Mary Moynihan, who worked here in Highbridge in the Bronx. They invited me to come right after I finished the vocation ministry. And uh, I did work for another year at the, the high school, St. Nicholas of Tolentine High School. But I decided to, uh, knowing that there was a great need for education of the young people who were hanging out on the streets here in Highbridge, um, I was involved in starting up and setting up an adult ed program at Highbridge. And um, I taught for about nine years, high school equivalency. During that time, there were a lot of women in my class who were, in fact, living from friend to friend, sleeping on a couch here and there, um, not having a safe place, being having some of their items stolen, the baby's uh, food um, missing, and so on. So we started the, um, the adult ed program, and then a group of us were considering the possibility of finding a house somewhere in the neighborhood to allow the women to come and stay, to feel safe, so they could at least finish getting their diploma. But there's a lot of, uh, without getting into the whole history of it, um, there are three major um, reasons uh, that led me to this place. And one had to do, the first was Highbridge, of course, my experience with the um, high school equivalency class, also our chapter of 1987. Uh, we came at the end of the chapter, we formed a belief statement. I'm just going to read one part of that belief statement. And while I was at the chapter, I, I have to say that this really impacted me. We believe that as women of compassion, we are called to use our power to help create an economic system in which the basic needs of all are met. We oppose unjust systems which cause and sustain poverty, hunger, and homelessness. As women of service, we are called to respond to the needs of the poor, particularly in our day, the homeless. Um, of course, um, you know, having reflected on those, uh, that belief statement many, many times, there were a group of us, about eight of us, of our sisters who would get together um, after the chapter and before the chapter, because this was all, you know, the plans for the chapter were were started before the actual event in 1987. But we had been discussing what were the various ways in which we could address homelessness, and one of uh, some some decided it was through basically through advocacy. Uh, some of us, though, including myself, wanted to do some hands-on um, movement, and so. We started looking for where we could possibly find a house, and it became I became aware that the Sisters of Mercy were leaving the convent at Sacred Heart in the parish. And so through a long uh, series of uh, letters to the Cardinal, Cardinal O'Connor in particular, 
and being invited to a meeting, um, we were able to meet with the city, have the city come and look at the convent building. And at that time, it was, it was empty except with three Mercy sisters who were still uh, living here and were on their way out. When the city looked at the building, they said it was a very appropriate setting for what, what our proposal was, which was for pregnant women and women with children under the age of three. However, it needed a lot of renovation. And so we had to take out a huge loan in order to get it up to code. And so what happened in the long run is Talentine Zeiser, through the, the leadership of Sister Margaret McDermott, offered to um, collateral for us to be able to, to get the loan. And in the end, we were able to make an agreement with the archdiocese, with the city, um, to take um, to take over um, what was the old Mercy Convent, which it is now. Um, uh, I mean, the building is now uh, Siena House. Initially, um, I think the the part of um, trying to get the city to agree to it. Right now, we are under a city contract um, through Tallentine Zeiser, and we have to commit ourselves to. Uh, the contract states that we will provide um, services, housing, a safe place for these 27 women. Um, I think all of it, all of it being said, I think through uh, many, many God moments, I want to say, um, and in particular, um, the Synod of 1988, the New York Archdiocesan Synod, um, confirmed for me that we did um, have the support of the archdiocese in the beginning for the building. And it was basically, and it seems appropriate to mention this today, um, that the whole issue of the, the proposal at the Synod was that we would support the right to life movement. And I remember getting up to the microphone and questioning whether or not I could support the proposal as written. And I remember saying, if then an amendment could be made that the church would be willing to support the poor women who were willing to um, to keep their ch children and not to abort them due to uh, financial or economic situations. And at the end of the, the synod, um, it was told to me that the amendment was added and that the church is willing or would be willing to support um, these women. And I'm getting back to that now because I'm hoping that as we move through this time of concern regarding the abortion issue, that mm -hmm. the church will continue to support these, these poor women or these women who are struggling families, actually, with another child on the way to be able to support them in their, um, in their desire to keep their children and not to do something so dastardly as to, um, to end the life of that child. So uh, I know that's a little, a little much being said, but I am grateful to be here. Um, I am grateful that, that our staff is here to make our women feel like life, uh, the life of this child is precious and needs to be uh, cherished and needs to be nourished and supported at every moment. So whatever we can do, and as I said, our community and many, many um, parishes throughout our diocese have been very gracious to us. Um, generous to us, and we are most grateful. Absolutely, um, and you know, thank you for that insight. And you know, 
you have been again at your ministry for some time now and throughout the years, uh, what have been some of your most rewarding moments at Sienna House? I think the most rewarding moments are the women who come back. Uh, we have, there isn't a week that goes by that a former resident doesn't show up or send a letter uh, of gratitude. Um, so uh, those, those moments are beautiful. And in fact, one of our former residents, her two, I just found out that her youngest daughter is uh, registered or has accepted um, Mount St. Vincent as her- Oh, that's great. Of choice. And her other daughter is already a, a college student at Manhattan College. So that's one, of, and she herself is a crossing guard in Highbridge but she has uh, raised those two beautiful daughters. So that's one success. We have a lot of success stories, but that probably is um, for our staff as well, because when someone shows up, when someone comes back, um, you know, all of the staff get an opportunity to hear um, how great they're doing. And so we do, we've had some sad stories as well, but for the most part, that's most rewarding as well as, um, when the women are getting ready to move out to go into their own apartment and they express their gratitude and many, and many times we'll walk around and hug each of the staff before they actually walk out the door and express their gratitude. Um, some, um, as I said, some are well uh, capable as they leave us. Some we, we pray for and some we are concerned for. Uh, but we always give them the message to, um, we're here. And if you need us, um, please, please call us or come back. Not to stay, but to get advice or to be referred some for help. So that's for me uh, at this moment. And I think for our staff, the most rewarding. That's that's great. And you always love to hear about those success stories. And I think that's a testament to you, your leadership, and as well as your team there. You know, shifting topics for a moment, um, obviously, COVID hit the city hard, and especially shelters in the city were hit incredibly hard. So for you, um, you know, leading Sienna House, how did the pandemic affect your ministry and do you feel as if things are back to normal? Were they back to normal? And then recently with the shift with the cases rising again, it's higher. You know, if you could just let our listeners know about that. Well, certainly the past two and a half, uh, two and a half years have been extremely um, difficult. Um, our staff all through the pandemic has been physically present here at the shelter. We've had staff that had to quarantine for, in the beginning, 10 days. Now it's five days. We've had women that had to been transferred to other shelters because of our congregate nature. We have no way to isolate or quarantine them. So they would have to go to a hotel or to another shelter, which involves a great deal of paperwork and a lot of um, you know, interaction with the city to make sure that they're placed properly, et cetera, and have what they need. Um, so that, that has been extremely difficult. But as of today, I mean, recently in the last couple of months, we've seen a little bit of a, a, a change in the sense that we haven't had to quarantine that many. But that has to do with the fact that in a lot of cases, we used to have testing done here regularly. Now we do test all of our new clients with the uh, home, uh, home tests. 
but we continue to do that. But just today, not today, yesterday, we had a mandate again from the state, uh, state mm -hmm. that we had to continue to mandate the wearing of masks. Uh, but we have been doing that. I, I consider myself one of the mask patrol uh, here at Siena House. Um, it's very, very difficult to enforce, but we continue to mandate it. And we don't know what's ahead of us, but again, um, depending on, on whatever regulations or protocols we have to enforce, uh, we are all together on that. And so we're grateful um, for all uh, that has been done, but on knowing, not knowing what's ahead of us, we continue to do follow the mandates. So we ask for prayer for that as well. Yeah, and I mean, that's that's all you can do is just take it day by day, follow follow the guidelines and, you know, do what you can to protect your residents, protect your staff. Um, so, Sister Mary, final question for today. How do you feel that your ministry at Siena House is connected to the, uh, the mission of the Sisters of St. Dominic? Well, uh, in, in answer to that, I'm going to, again, I'm going to read our mission statement of Siena House. Um, this is our mission statement. The Sisters of St. Dominic of Blowout, New York, founded in 1879 to minister to the homeless children of our city, have committed themselves to respond to the needs of the homeless of our day. We support all efforts that empower women to a fuller participation in society and enhance their human dignity. Recognizing the need of many homeless, single mothers and children, Siena House was founded in 1990 by the Sisters of St. Dominic and is sponsored by Tallentine Zeiser Community Life Center. Siena House is a temporary residence for families searching for suitable and affordable housing. Open to all, regardless of race or creed, we seek to assist homeless women and their children to move from a situation of homelessness and poverty to one of independence and self-worth. So I believe that our mission here at Siena House is integrally, integrally uh, connected to the mission of Mother Marianne, who um, actually looked out for the homeless children of her day. Um, except in this case, we do have the moms who are, the children are not here by themselves, their moms are here. And as I tell the women every day, um, you as mother must take care of yourself in the best way you can um, and make good choices in order for you to be able to care for your child and to, to provide that child with the best um, home that you can with a loving family, with with your, especially with your love. A lot of our women feel that buying, for example, a, a gold chain with the baby's name, which, which I saw one of our babies wearing yesterday, uh, the most important thing they can do to show their love is to love that child and cherish that child. And the more and more I hear of the, the violence that is committed against the children of our city, the violence that they are enduring, that if we can make um, our women more aware of the need uh, to bring their babies to a safe, to create a safe home and to love their babies and to keep them from any harm, uh, in, especially in their choices of who they commit in their home, the kind of behaviors, whether it's uh, the new legalized marijuana 
um, which for some of them is a struggle, and also for the friends that they, they make, but especially as they get ready to move into their own homes, uh, to whatever their choices are, um, are going to impact upon their beautiful, precious gifts of their children. So that's why I believe why we're here, what, what we can do to support these moms uh, is what we're all about. And then I just want to, again, um, mention our staff. Without us, the present staff that we have and the staff that we've had in the past, uh, we wouldn't be where we are today. Who knows what the future holds, but I know that this is that God is in this. So thank you, um, Katie. Um, and I actually have one more question for you. Uh, so what does your ministry, you know, you've been there for, again, over three decades. What does it mean to you on a personal level? Well, it's very difficult because I have to start thinking about letting go. And it's not an easy place to be. But um, for me, it's been my, it's certainly been uh, an answer to prayer. Um, after having a completed a, a 30 day retreat, I remember back in the 70s, 79, I believe, was my first 30 day retreat. Um, I prayed that I would be used as an instrument um, to be able to deal with uh, or to add um, hope to the lives of those who are struggling, especially the poor. And I just felt very drawn to, to do what I could for um, those who are struggling, especially young moms. And I guess every place I've been has led me to, um, to that place. And every, every person that has walked through these doors, every staff person, every client has convinced me that this is where God has wanted me to be for these past, actually, I think it's 33 years. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but you know, this, it's this time of my life where I know that I have to be willing and able to stand back and let somebody else, you know, take the helm. So Katie, uh, <laughs> what are you doing for the next 30 years? I'm only kidding. <laughs> I know you are waiting for the birth of your beautiful baby daughter. And um, I know that um, you have been a gift to our community. And I know that you will be a beautiful mom to your precious little girl too. Well, thank you for that. I greatly appreciate it. And, you know, I also greatly appreciate you joining us today. And I know, again, I know how busy you are and I hope that you'll join us for future episodes. Thank you again, Katie. And I'm sorry about the glitches at the beginning. But it's all good, Sister Mary. You are one, you're very tech savvy and, you know, glitches happen. Thank you. God bless. Right. Bye. <laughs> And before we go, I'd like to remind you that if you enjoyed today's discussion, please let us know by giving the Hearts of Fire podcast a five-star rating on wherever you listen to your podcasts. And we hope that you will join us next week for our final episode of season three of the Hearts of Fire podcast, where Kathy McCann will join us to discuss the associate program. Thank you again for tuning into the Hearts of Fire podcast. And please know that you are in the daily prayers of our sisters and associates.